Hi, this is Bobby Kamari, and I want to thank you for listening to season two of the Living in Light podcast, where the whole season is going to be dedicated to the fabulous topic of sacred sexuality. I hope it blesses your socks off. Hello, beautiful people. I hope everyone is hunky-dory and that you've all had a little listen to part one and two of this three-parter about the repercussions of counterfeit intimacy. And if you haven't, then you really kind of should because otherwise none of this is going to make sense or it will, but you're just not going to get enough out of it. Um, But I am actually going to give a little recap on the last episode before I dive into today's pod, just so that it is a bit of a refresher. So last time I unpacked the neurological repercussions of counterfeit intimacy and I explained more about how God has wired us to bond to one another as one flesh when it comes to sex. And so that's physically, emotionally, neurologically and spiritually. And so this bonding takes place on all those levels when we are sexually intimate, whether we're being intimate in a marriage covenant or in a one night stand. So you bond irrespective of the relational context or the scenario that you might be in and so this bonding actually takes place in the realm of the soul and the spirit which are so closely linked but it also happens neurologically mentally like in our psyche where we are literally glued to someone that we've become deeply intimate with and this is partly because of the chemical wiring that God has designed us with in order to attach us to our spouse and to foster loyalty. And so when this bonding takes place outside of marriage, it creates counterfeit attachments with a person or it might be with an image or a fantasy where your brain and soul gets attached to that experience or that person. And then this also creates soul ties, which means you are attached illegally to someone in the spiritual realm. And unless you break those soul ties, having those attachments end up creating so many issues in your soul and stop you from experiencing true intimacy. And so that's what I covered last time. And I also prayed a prayer to deal with soul ties and to uproot any idols that we may have had and all that jazz, basically. And so I do recommend you going and having a listen if you haven't. It was actually super deep and very intense. Um, But actually, this episode, we're going to go deeper, guys, because now we're going to tackle spiritual repercussions, which I'm not going to lie, is kind of hardcore. So brace yourselves, pussycats. And also, if you've got kids about, they're definitely not going to want to be in the room when you're listening to this podcast. But if you've got older teens around, then yes, this will actually be really good for them to hear. But it would be super helpful, I think, if they do listen, if they're able to kind of like unpack some of this stuff or chat to you. And it does actually facilitate some dialogue because they might have loads of questions once they listen to this. Actually, I'm just going to pray before I get started. So, Lord Jesus, I just thank you so much um, for your freedom. I thank you that you are light and you are love. And I thank you, Lord, that we get to be children of light and we get to walk in such love and such joy and such wholeness and light and peace and freedom, God. And I just pray, Lord, that as we unpack the spiritual repercussions of counterfeit intimacy, that you would really just break every chain and that you would push back every darkness and that every single place where there is bondage or Um, there is enslavement or confusion or oppression I just thank you that you're going to deal with all of that and so you're so welcome on this podcast and I just speak so much beauty and love over every single listener in Jesus name I pray amen and actually because this episode is about the spiritual repercussions really I'm thinking I should not make assumptions and I should actually explain what I mean when I say spirits or the spiritual realm or demonic influence so as christians um, the spirit of god the holy spirit comes and inhabits us and the more that we yield to the spirit of god the more we bear spiritual fruit and the more we behave like jesus basically and then you also have godly spirits meaning like angels 
that you know come and minister to us and help us and guard us and guide us as well but then you have fallen angels that are part of the kingdom of darkness and as christians when we function in the flesh when we're driven by the flesh then we are actually opening the doors to those demons of say jealousy or rage or lust and as believers, although you're not necessarily going to be possessed by a demon as an average Christian, but you can open the door to the demonic realm when we engage in carnality, because that is the fruits of the flesh. And when we're not born again, then we can totally be functioning in so much demonic junk, because being driven by the flesh is standard for us, because we don't have the Holy Spirit within us, we're not born again, our spirit man is not alive, and so we're being ruled by the God of this world, which is Satan, and walking in the flesh is normal behavior, and being influenced by the demonic is standard, basically. And when it comes to the realm of the spirit, you have this realm, which is like the natural realm, the earthly realm, but then you have the spiritual realm, and in the spiritual realm, you have three heavens so you have like the third heaven which is like the atmosphere above us and then you have the second heaven which is the spiritual realm where you've got powers and principalities where you've got the demonic and then god's angelic hosts and that's where they war and then you've got the third heaven which is actually where god abides and so when we are doing warfare and when we're when we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but actually we're fighting against the powers and the principalities, it's the second heaven, it's that spiritual realm that we're actually warring in. And so when I talk about the spiritual realm, it's talking about that supernatural realm, and that's where the war in our soul actually is, because we are first and foremost spiritual beings. And so demons and the demonic realm function in the second heaven but they come to earth to possess and to influence this atmosphere because satan is the god of this realm but they need humans to be able to inhabit and possess but when you're born again and the spirit of god now abides in you then you're not going to be possessed by a demon but as Christians, you can still be influenced by the demonic realm if you keep gravitating towards the flesh and live a carnal lifestyle. So I hope that kind of like lays a bit of a foundation as we talk about the spiritual repercussions of engaging in counterfeit intimacy. And I guess literally the only last thing that I feel that I need to say is that this is really a continuation on from like the neurological and the soulish repercussions. Because remember what I said previously that the soul and the spirit are kind of intertwined. And so where I'm kicking off from today is almost like a continuation on from soul ties and neurological bonding and strongholds that I spoke about last time. And so it's carrying on from where I left off. So I hope that makes sense. Okie doke. So we're going to kick off with transference of spirits. That's what I'm going to talk about first. So when we become sexually intimate with someone, we obviously cleave and we bond to them and we become one flesh. So two become one. But there are also transferences and spiritual exchanges that occur. And so in godly marriage, this works for good because that union has been sealed by the Holy Spirit and by God's grace, that couple are bearing good spiritual fruit and as they cleave and as they bond to one another, a whole heap of fruit is being shared in the marriage and exchanged and they're being a blessing to each other and complementing one another spiritually. But in an ungodly relationship, this can work in the negative because where the union is illegal, it's sealed by the demonic realm. And so rather than sharpening one another for good, enslavement and bondage is actually being transferred where demonic behaviors and mannerisms that the individuals are carrying can be transferred to one another. So, for example, if a man is perhaps battling with pornography or a spirit of adultery and he begins to engage in sex with a woman who carries a spirit of rejection and jealousy, then demonic spirits will transfer and he could then begin to suffer from feelings of rejection and displayed jealousy and then she, on the other hand, could find herself engaging in cheating or becoming drawn to pornography. 
And so if they both already carry these spirits, then this toxic relationship would only work to further enslave them both in bondage to those demons. And I've definitely experienced something like this in my past. Um, I actually wrote about it in my book, Sacred Sexuality. So if you've already heard this example, then you're going to hear it again. So there was this one particular guy that I had started seeing. He was in a long-term relationship and shared with me before we started seeing each other, whilst we were still just friends, that he had this habit of making out with random strangers whenever he'd go out raving. And when he told me this, I kind of found it off key because even though I myself was promiscuous um, and had two-timed guys before at that stage, but somehow I remember at that time finding it bizarre that you could be happy in a long-term relationship like he said he was and committed to someone but still frequently cheat on that partner in this way. But not too long after this actual conversation, we ended up sleeping together. And he obviously still had his girlfriend and I was still seeing other people. But after I slept with this guy, I literally couldn't find a night out even remotely satisfying until I had kissed a random guy in a club or a bar that I was in and sometimes two to three different guys a night. And it actually became like this compulsion for me, like almost like an addiction. If I went out, I had to kiss several guys, otherwise my night was pants. And I also found that after being with him, I actually became even more reckless with my sexual behavior. But that's not surprising, as lust by its very nature increases. So what might satisfy you before will never be enough because that appetite will just keep growing. And a spirit of lust in someone will be attracted to a person who's also carrying a spirit of lust. And this is why similar people can be attracted to each other sometimes. It's because of the spirit that they're carrying and spirits recognize one another. They attract each other. And that is probably what happened between myself and this guy. And also spirits like to complement one another as well. So for example, you may have a woman who always falls for that same abusive, domineering, bad boy character and can't work out why, even though she knows that she ends up being controlled or she ends up being submissive but even with that, she always ends up with the same type of possessive guy. But that's because often you might have a domineering, controlling spirit in a person who's looking for someone else who possesses a weak, victimized spirit, someone who can be easily dominated. And so that's often how spirits actually work. So when it comes to demonic spirits, they are always looking for someone that they can actually gain legal permission to enter. And actually, they can't have legal access to Christians because we are born again and we're children of God. The only time demonic access is legally given to the demonic realm when it comes to Christians is when we are in some kind of sin and we allow the enemy access. And sexual sin will open doors to the demonic in such a unique and destructive way. And when it comes to sexual sin, there are actual sex demons that can gain legal right to have sex with someone who's caught up in sexual immorality in one way or another. And so an incubus is a demonic spirit that has sexual intercourse with women while they're sleeping. And a succubus is a demonic spirit that has sex with men, basically, usually when they're sleeping, but it can happen when someone's awake, which some of you might remember from episode one is what happened to me. And I actually did some research and found out that the incubus and succubus spirit aren't male and female, but in fact, they're the same demon, but they're able to switch between male and female forms. And these sex demons, they are demonic sexual predators. They're spirits of sexual lust. And actually, this reality of fallen angels having sex with humans is not a new one. Like, we find this very thing taking place in Genesis 6. But, like I said, sex demons can't just visit anybody. They have to have legal access through a number of ways, which are usually sexually related. But they can also include um, non-sexual causes as well. And so some of the non-sexual ways that sex demons can gain access are through negative thinking or unforgiveness, fear and anxiety, witchcraft, carnality, as well as through the obvious route of sexual sin. 
both our own personal sexual sin or sexual sin that may have been committed against us or sometimes generationally in our family lineage. And so when it comes to sexual demons and the spirit of lust, we actually have no authority over them when we choose to engage in sexual immorality. And even if it's not willful engagement, so for example, in the case of being molested or abuse, spirits of perversion can then be attached to the victim, opening the door to the demonic in the victim's life, even though it wasn't the victim who actually committed sexual sin. And as sexual aggressors, sex demons also strive to make someone feel victimized so that they can be controlled. And sex demons are territorial and see many of their victims as earthly spouses who visit men and women as their possessions. And actually, this is sometimes the reason why some men and women don't feel a release to actually find a marriage partner because in the realm of the spirit they're a spouse to a sex demon and I know that sounds so extreme but this is legit and this does happen and there are actually some women that I've read about who find comfort in their visitations from sex demons and unknowingly endorse their attacks and encourage them to continue like I remember watching a woman who wasn't a Christian but she was on a daytime TV program sharing how she loves being visited by her ghost lover and that he'd been visiting her for years and that she would dress up for it and wear negligees and sexy nighties and she knew what this ghost liked and that she was sharing how recently she could tell that the ghost had changed and now it was someone else and she was just getting to know them and she was excited about it and This is like the worst thing that someone can do when it comes to sex demons, where you are actually engaging with it and you're encouraging them. But the craziest thing is that when you don't know any better, you actually um, can find comfort in having those visitations and having, you know, sex in your sleep and having orgasms in your sleep. Like it actually becomes something that you look forward to. Like you don't know it's a demon, but you don't mind having sexual dreams because they give you pleasure but actually this is the worst thing that you can do because these demons they're not there to give you pleasure they actually hate you and although they may seemingly give you pleasure their true intention is to subdue you to steal your virtue and to destroy you and this is a quote that I read about sex demons once the demon gets you sexually aroused or subdues you through violence, you let your conscious guard down and defenses down, they will then impregnate you with seeds of distraction and perversion. An encounter with an incubus or succubus spirit will usually leave you feeling emotionally and spiritually drained because they steal virtue from you. These spirits want to control you, subdue you and make you feel worthless. They make you feel miserable, yet they are skilled at causing extreme sexual pleasure the ecstasy that you experience with these spirits is usually exceedingly more intense than natural sex and is highly addictive. This induces guilt because of the pleasure your body experiences, lowering your resistance even more. And I'll reference the author of the quote in the notes. So sex demons are merciless. They're on assignment for the devil and very, very strategic. And so they will not just deliberately give you so much pleasure, but they will also instill terror and give graphic nightmares so that a person will experience deep fear and will resort to like perversion and masturbation and carnality to seek a false sense of comfort away from that terror and the nightmares or the fear that they might be experiencing. And so this is another quote that I read. And one much less obvious manifestation is nightmares. Realistic, graphic, heart-stopping nightmares that rob you of sleep and make you awake frightened. The purpose of causing nightmares is to impregnate you with fear, therefore perverting your faith, diluting your faith, and to undermine your entire relationship with God and purpose for living. One reason for this is that fear induces a desire to seek out comfort. Sexual activity, especially sexual fantasy and masturbation, bring about a temporary sense of false comfort. Therefore, by inducing fear, these lust demons cause you to be sexually perverse acts. 
And so the devil wants you to pursue fleshly passions and sensual appetites to satisfy your soul so that carnality will be an entry point for sex demons to gain access and so when we engage in carnal temporary pleasures whether it's as extreme as masturbation or as seemingly harmless as tv addiction as a means of satisfaction we can also open the door to sex demons further down the line because carnal activities desensitize us they increase our appetite for the lust of the eyes and the flesh and this in turn attracts the spirit of lust which in some cases can then open the door to spirits of sexual lust and sometimes people don't even realize how the door to a sex demon might even come in it could be something that you have absolutely no idea about it could be something that happened to you when you were a child it could be because of the generation before you and again i'm going to share another quote from someone called linda gagnog who actually talks about the influence of sex demons on our sexual choices and orientation so this is the quote it is said that incubus and succubus spirits are the same spirit but able to switch between male or female so they have bisexual abilities and possess the power to influence others in a similar fashion it is easy to see how these demonic spirits can cause gender identity issues sexual orientation issues and a root cause of homosexuality familiar spirits can be a part of someone's life all their life if they are born into generational sin and iniquitous patterns that is why people can swear up and down that they were born gay when in fact it is actually caused by demonic spirits they are simply familiar night spirits that remain in families to reproduce certain sins and lifestyles so you could literally have visitations from these sex demons and then these visitations could then go on to form certain patterns in your life or certain sexual choices or even certain orientations or confusions about your gender and you may not even know what the root cause is because it happened when you weren't even aware maybe when you were asleep or because of something that happened in the previous generation in your family line and actually as with any sin when there is sexual sin in a family that has not been dealt with in many cases it will be passed on to the next generation and when this happens there could be this sense of familiarity attached to a sexual dysfunction because it's always been part of the family and if this happens there can be a sense of familiarity attached to that sexual dysfunction because it's kind of always just been there yet the truth is that rather than it being a genetic trait it may in fact be sex demons that have influenced that family line with sexual orientation confusion and gender identity issues and so sex demons are actually able to thrive within like ancestral dynamics with every new generation that comes where they get to plant seeds of sexual immorality confusion and rebellion completely undetected from one generation to another and the only way to actually break that generational curse and put a stop to that confusion is through the blood of Jesus and in his name. But what I do want to say is irrespective of the root cause or the need for deliverance, that still doesn't nullify or negate the pain and the torment and the confusion experienced by some people who might be experiencing confusion about their gender or wrestling with same-sex attractions or growing up with a propensity to be promiscuous or engage in sexual immorality and actually when it comes to sexual sin as i may have made reference to it previously is that sometimes the entry point for the demonic to actually come and influence us may not have even originated in sexual sin oftentimes it is rooted in negative thinking and this is something that I want to tap into now because negative thinking is a huge attraction for the realm of darkness because negative thoughts basically build ungodly strongholds in a person's mind. And it's super crucial to understand how strongholds work for us to be able to understand how they can become doorways for the demonic. And, you know, I've made reference to this in the last episode, so this is going to give you more clarity. So strongholds 
are a way of thinking, they're a mentality. And a mentality could apply to an individual, or it could even apply to a group or a community and even nations. And this term stronghold is actually a military term. It's basically a protected place where the members of a military group stay and they can defend themselves against attacks. So kind of get that picture in your mind. And so a godly mentality is built in the mind when belief systems and thinking patterns align with the truth, which is the word of God, which then acts as a spiritual fortress where we find refuge and safety in the truth of God. Safety against the deception of the enemy whenever he tries to attack our thoughts with lies. A demonic stronghold, on the other hand, is a thought pattern, an ideal or belief system that the devil has been able to erect in our thinking, in our soul, against the truth of God. And this could occur through repeated negative thoughts, influences upon our senses and through the experiences that we have. And this is why as Christians, we all have to be engaging in spiritual warfare because our minds will always be under attack. And like I said in episode 8, we have to be pulling down strongholds just like it tells us to in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 3-5 where it says, Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And this scripture is basically speaking about engaging in a spiritual battle of the mind, which ties in with the military definition that I gave you for stronghold. And once again, I know I'm always like, sharing stuff from Bill Johnson but he's such a spiritual don and literally where would we be without Papa Bill but I heard him speak about strongholds in a sermon called the war in your head where he unpacks the military principles of a stronghold which help us to so grasp how the enemy builds strongholds in our soul so using the idea of a walled city or castle in Old Testament biblical times, he explains that an enemy army or a battalion can hide within the castle or walled city behind the huge stones that these castles and walls of cities are made of. And so strongholds in this context are these large stones that the castle is made up of behind which an army that's attacking that castle will be able to rest at where they can go out from there and do exploits and keep coming back there to that same spot and hide. So a stronghold is a resting place. And so when this scripture talks about tearing down these strongholds and these stones, these are the thought patterns that fight against the knowledge of God. These are the ideas and the ideals that are in conflict with what God says. And the enemy actually occupies these thought patterns And he is then able to hide safely in these dysfunctional thoughts in people's minds where thinking is inconsistent with the knowledge of God. And it's where the enemy is hidden and undetected. And from there, he works to kill, steal and destroy. And so demonic strongholds in the mind are spiritual fortresses erected by wrong thoughts, which become a fortified dwelling place where demonic forces can hide and operate in power against us. And thought patterns that are contrary to the truth of God, no matter how simple or extreme, attract the realm of darkness and give the demonic realm legal right to remain in our souls, so in our mind, will and emotions, and cause death and destruction. Even if the original experience or sin, which may have initiated the negative thoughts, was somebody else's fault. Because if the thoughts become a way of thinking Even if the original experience or sin, which may have initiated the negative thoughts, was actually somebody else's fault, it makes no difference. If the thoughts become a way of thinking for us, then the enemy can still build a stronghold to operate from that lie, no matter how it was caused, within our soul. And so strongholds of rejection and emotional woundedness, bitterness or unforgiveness, amongst other things which cause us to be weakened in spirit, will attract demons as they take advantage of a weakened, vulnerable soul. And also strongholds of fear and doubt are another legal way that demons can gain a foothold as demons 
thrive in fear and unhealthy vulnerability. And like I mentioned earlier, the demonic attracts the demonic. So a stronghold in one area might then attract a demonic stronghold in another area, which in turn could open the door to sex demons, even if the original stronghold didn't even have a root of sexual sin. And obviously, strongholds that are directly erected because of sexual sin are a clear doorway to sex demons, even when that sexual sin may not have even been your sexual sin and it could be someone else's fault and something that was done to you or something that happened to you as a kid or out of your control and actually that's how the demonic impacted my life and now that I've kind of laid the foundation and given you some insight and teaching I'm actually going to share my own first-hand experience of demonic and spiritual repercussions that I experienced personally not just because of my own sexual immorality but because of things that happened to me along the way. So I was raised in a traditional Indian family with strong family values and boyfriends and sex was totally taboo. Plus my dad was pretty strict. And although I know that my dad loved his family and cared for us, but he was often aloof and emotionally absent unless he was drunk, in which case he could be very generous and kind, but then he could equally be intimidating and violent when he was drunk if he got triggered. And the bottom line was that he simply did not know how to role model healthy intimacy or affirmation to us because he never experienced it. And because he never experienced affirmation or healthy intimacy, he never even once ever told me he loved me. And although he ended up being slightly kinder to me than my siblings I think during my childhood but he was also so disappointed that I was not a boy when I was born that he didn't even show up to the hospital for the first three days following my birth and because of that I think I massively battled with a spirit of rejection growing up and still do at times Um, but I believed I was not valuable and once I was older I definitely looked for validation in guys a validation that I never actually ever received from my dad and then to add to that there was all this generational junk that I also grew up with because even though I became a Christian at the age of 12 but as a child I was brought up in a Hindu family and so we were surrounded by idol worship and idol worship opens the door to the occult because in reality you're actually worshipping demons and although the idol itself does not have power but the demonic or the principality attached to it in the spiritual realm gains authority in your life and is able to release demonic spiritual activity and build demonic strongholds in your mind through that influence. And then also, I was molested as a kid, which awoke my sexuality far too early and in an illicit way. And I actually do believe that it was this sexual sin against me that was a prime part of the root cause of my own history of sexual immorality. And although I became a Christian around the age of 12, I already had so many ungodly strongholds of dysfunctional thinking and destructive belief systems erected in my soul because of all this history that as a new believer, although I loved God and found so much peace in walking with him, I lived this life of compromise. So though I went to church and I prayed and I studied the Bible, I also smoked, I bunked school, I read adult books, and I frequently snuck out of my bedroom window at night to hang out with my friends. And as a new believer and as a young Christian, as a teenager, I never really understood the gospel or the truth that God loved me unconditionally. I found comfort in Christ, but I never understood that I was made in his image and that my worth and my value were found in him. So invariably, I looked for that value elsewhere. And when I was around 13, I was visited by a sex demon in a dream because I believed that the abuse that I experienced as a kid and even like the books that I was reading um, would have opened a door in the spirit. And so in this dream where I was visited by a sex demon, I had an orgasm as a 13 year old. And I did not even know what it was at that time. I just knew that it felt good. And then it wasn't too long after that one day when I was lying on my bed and suddenly I just touched myself and I ended up having an orgasm 
where I felt that same pleasure that I had felt in the dream. And so from the age of 13, I started masturbating. And as I developed into a young adult, and as an adult, I would continue to get visitations from sex demons when I would be asleep, but I didn't really think anything of it. They were just sexual dreams where I kind of knew that I'd had sex in a dream and not really thought much of it. And then at the age of 16, I left Christianity as soon as I had my first boyfriend. And I then went on to lead like a super reckless life of hedonism. And when I came back to the Lord 10 years later, I went back and forth with one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom, backsliding and getting caught up in so much darkness because now I was a child of God. I was saved, I was baptized and apparently a Christian, but I was now illegally playing with the realm of darkness where I was still sleeping around at times, still smoking and drinking and taking drugs. And as a Christian, I would also still masturbate. And then one night after a week of like the most tormenting backsliding, where my walk with God had become a complete mess, an utter train wreck, and I was literally hanging out in Sin Saloon every single day, and I ended up getting wrecked with a couple of friends who then went home and it was Friday night around 11 o'clock. I was lying on my bed in the dark and I drunk loads that night and I smoked like this weed that I was so sure was like laced with something. And so I was lying in my bed trying to sober up. And at this point I was feeling okay. And so I was trying to motivate myself to go and brush my teeth and then suddenly my bedroom went cold and I felt like this evil presence come into me and it literally overtook me and my chest and my throat felt like they were being suffocated. And then I had these orgasms which literally swept through my entire body in forceful, relentless waves. And then I began to cry because instantly I understood what was happening to me. I had a flashback of a horror film that I had seen at the age of 13 um, and it just came back to me and it was based on a true story and in this film a woman gets visited by a poltergeist and he has sex with her but then he also beats her up regularly whenever he visits and he's violent and he smashes up her place and wants to kill her and harms her children and so I literally thought that that was what was going to happen to me in that encounter. And in that moment, it just hit me that the demonic realm is real. And then I remember thinking, if the demonic realm is real, then God must also be real. And as I lay there, and as this demonic experience was happening to me, every single doubt that I'd ever had about God's existence, they just left. But then I remember thinking, oh my gosh, it's a bit late because you're going to die. And I literally did think it was game over for me and all my sexual sin flashed before me. And in that moment, I realized and could see how with all my sexual immorality, I had brought this on myself. And this is the reason why I'm so militant about fleeing sexual immorality, because I've actually experienced the true root of it. And that night for me was such a wake up call about the true evil behind the seducing facade of worldly sex, because I experienced the repercussions of my sexual sin in such a sobering way that it marked me forever. And I know it wasn't just the sexual sin, but it was someone else's sexual sin against me, I believe, that opened the door in the first place. And then it was the books that I was reading. It was the music that I was listening to. It was the influence of the demonic because of all the idol worship that I had grown up with. Like So many different factors had almost groomed me towards making choices in my life that would lead to sexual immorality. And obviously not to mention all the alcohol and the drug abuse that would have also have just solidified the access that the demonic realm had to me. And obviously God was very merciful to me and so I was able to recover from that night and that's what actually made me give my life to the Lord once and for all, like after that demonic attack when I actually realized that the world holds nothing for me, that behind the facade and the seduction of this world system is just pure evil. And I ended up giving my heart to the Lord 
no holds barred and he ended up delivering me from every place of sexual dysfunction and purifying my heart and renewing my mind and rewiring my desire away from every counterfeit towards him towards true intimacy and so what the enemy meant for harm in like years and years and years maybe even generations of demonic grooming so that I would end up making decisions that would allow the enemy to kill, steal and destroy from me. But Jesus, he came and he totally reversed all of that. And what the enemy meant for harm, God just used it for his own plans and purposes and to bring himself so much glory. So it doesn't matter how much sexual sin or how much junk you might be involved in god is more than able to turn that around to deliver you to set you free and to actually bring you into such sweet wholeness and light and love and true intimacy but i believe his heart is that we don't even encounter that junk that actually we live lives of such light and such love that we don't even engage in that kind of darkness and I know that there might be some of you listening and this stuff is like so off your radar and it sounds so shady and occultic and you might not even be able to believe that this happened and I totally get it Um, and I also understand that your average Christian may not even experience this stuff in an obvious way but the spiritual realm is real and when we engage with sexual sin or any kind of carnality behind the scenes this is the stuff that's going on because satan is the god of the spirit of this world and this is his realm and if i'd never had this demonic attack i wouldn't have had such personal insight to this stuff but i have had it It is part of my story and god allowed it for a purpose and so when i minister about this My heart is that what happened to me and the high price that I paid for cheap thrills would end up saving others from unnecessary heartache and destruction and that no one would have to go down the path that I went down because of my own ignorance and my own rebellion because by God's grace you will be far more equipped with truth and wisdom and knowledge than I ever was and that you will also be far more aware and confident that worldly sex has nothing for you because God has so much better in store for you. And what I do also want to say is that when we play with alcohol and drugs and sex and carnality, they do open the door to the demonic, obviously. And depending on how extreme or mild your lifestyle might be, the manifestation might be pretty low key where you don't even notice, or it might manifest in supernatural activity taking place like it did for me. But if you're not dabbling with anything shady, then you don't have to worry about anything. So I don't want anyone to listen to this podcast and get all fearful or be scared of the realm of the spirit because we have Christ within us, the hope of glory, and we have the authority to trample, you know, serpents and to bind and loose. And so we don't have to fear anything. But equally, I also don't want anyone to think that you can engage in carnality or sexual compromise and that it's all harmless, and that it's all good in the hood because you're saved by grace, because that, I can tell you from first-hand experience, is not true. Because as children of light, when we play with darkness, there are consequences. And so what I experienced was the consequences of my actions. And by the grace of God, everything that the enemy meant for harm, God used for good. And the surrender, I could never quite bring myself to offer God voluntarily, I was forced into because of that demonic attack and because I actually came face to face with the repercussions of all my sexual sin and I am grateful for that. I am so grateful that I'm not enslaved anymore but the bottom line is that as a believer if I hadn't have engaged in sexual sin I wouldn't have had those demonic attacks so be wise people. We are children of the light and darkness holds nothing for us. And if you are involved in any kind of sexual compromise, please take it to God immediately. Bring him into the mix and get set free because the spiritual repercussions of sexual sin, they are serious. And God wants to preserve and protect us from all the junk that comes with sexual sin and any kind of sin. 
And God has created us for something so incredible, for such deep, precious, beautiful, fulfilling love. So may we reject every counterfeit and may we wait for and pursue true intimacy with him. And may we flee from every kind of darkness because we are children of light and we were made for the light and so i just bless you with that and i really do hope that this teaching has not been too intense um, but that it has been helpful and so now i'm gonna bang out some prayer pretty much like i've been praying over the last couple of weeks where i'm gonna pray on your behalf and it's there for you guys to be able to repeat if you wanna um, and if you have been praying these prayers, then great. But what I would say is that you don't just rely on this one prayer. You know, if you've got stuff going on in your walk and if you've got stuff going on with your sexuality, then let the Lord kind of take you on a journey and let him lead you in your praying and let him lead you in the way that he ministers to you. So I want you to be able to engage with these prayers, but I don't want you to rely on them as like a guarantee that once you prayed those prayers that job done everything's going to be hunky-dory because it is a journey and everything that I do on this podcast really is just like a supporting tool and it cannot replace your own personal pursuit of freedom with God um, so yeah I am going to pray and so as with the previous episode there might be a couple of blanks that you need to fill in and not everything in this prayer might apply to you, which is totally fine too. Father God, I thank you so much that you are deliverer, that you are kind and you are good, and that I can come to you no matter what. Lord, I take responsibility for the things that I have done, the things that I have allowed, and even the things that have been done to me against my will. Right now, I forgive and then you can speak the names of all those that may have sinned against you so that I can also have my own sins forgiven. And I ask that you empower me, Lord, to forgive and let go. As a matter of my will, I choose to forgive each person who has sinned against me. And I ask that you, Father, give me grace and strength to not take this offence back into my heart. I ask that you heal those that have perpetrated sins against me and set us free from the perversity and sin that may have had us bound. I ask you for complete healing from lust, from perverse spirits and demonic attachments of incubus and succubus spirits. I reject, refuse, renounce and divorce all unclean demonic spirits of perversity, including incubus and succubus spirits, spirits of lust, Spirits of pornography, masturbation, paedophilia, voyeurism, domination, brutality, homosexuality, confusion and gender confusion. I repent for any ways that I may have knowingly or unknowingly come into agreement with these spirits and I humbly submit myself to the Lord Jesus Christ and the authority of his Holy Spirit. I submit to you God and I resist the enemy, commanding him to flee from me and to take everything he has put on me and everything that he has brought into my life and every seed that he has implanted into my belief system to go now. I reject every seed of Satan. I command seeds to come out immediately in Jesus' name and I declare that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I also ask you to forgive me for every place of negative thinking and I ask you to dismantle every stronghold in my mind where I am believing lies and not walking in truth. I break agreement with every single lie and I command every demonic stronghold to be uprooted from my soul in Jesus name. Lord, I give myself to you afresh. I ask you to be the Lord of my life and the lover of my soul. I thank you, Lord, that you have created me for true intimacy and I reject every counterfeit intimacy right now. I close the door to the patterns and behaviours that lead me to pursue counterfeit intimacy. And I thank you that your blood covers me. And I thank you, Lord, that I am your child. I thank you that I am accepted by you. I am loved. I am the apple of your eye. 
I am fearfully and wonderfully made and I am beautiful in your sight and I thank you that you love me more than life itself. In Jesus' name, amen. And Lord, I just want to pray for all the listeners and I just agree, God, that whom the Son has set free is free indeed. And Lord, I also just want to break off any fear um, or condemnation that anyone might feel after listening to this podcast. I break off any anxiety or terror in Jesus' name and I declare complete freedom and turnaround and I just release such a grace to do an 180 degree turn towards true intimacy towards liberty and purity and i thank you god that we are children of the light and not of the dark and i break off the power and the control of the spirit of the world over any listener who might be wrestling with carnality and i declare such a grace and a pursuit to be in this world but not of this world and to just rise up as the bride of christ and to live such a life of purpose power love and intimacy in jesus name i pray amen i actually do recommend going back to the teaching and the prayer at the end of episode eight if you are wrestling with negative and unhealthy thinking patterns and actually going through that stuff again and if you want a more in-depth prayer about the demonic stuff then you can buy my book sacred sexuality and i will pop the link in the notes And actually, if you do want to hear more about how God used my testimony with the demonic attacks for his amazing plans and purposes, then also feel free to check out a spoken word piece that I did about it. And again, I'll pop that in the notes section. And then finally, what I do just want to say is that I'm not a deliverance minister and I'm not a pastor or a counsellor. And so when I pray for you guys and I lead you in a prayer... I'm not giving you a guarantee that everything that you might be wrestling with will be dealt with. I'm simply just sharing from my own experiences and what I've gleaned from the word and in my own walk and journey. But you still have to take it up with the Lord. So please don't just rely on my teaching or my prayers or or this ministry. Like get counsel from your mentors. Pray into things yourself. Study this stuff in the word for yourself and weigh it all up before God because ultimately this is your own walk with the Lord and he knows your life inside out and in sweet fellowship and communion with him he will guide you into complete fullness and abundance. And so that's it from me today, folks. Um, Be so blessed, you amazing bunch. And I do hope and pray that this three-part has been super helpful and insightful and liberating. But feel free to get in touch if you've got any questions um, or want to reach out about any of the episodes. Thank you so much for joining me for today's show. All related social media handles and links can be found in the notes section. If you did enjoy today's episode, then please do feel free to share it and do subscribe to the podcast if you want to know when a new episode is heading your way. If you'd like to get in touch, you can do that via Instagram or Facebook, or you can head over to livinginlight.co.uk. I cannot wait to be with you guys again, and thank you so much for listening to the Living in Light podcast. Because you're beautiful.